driving through Clay County in northwest Iowa, the scenery is pretty much unchanged, with fields of corn and soybeans stretching out endlessly on either side of Highway 71. Then, as you're nearing Sioux Rapids, you see something breaking up the landscape. Clusters of squat gray silos and white barns with green roofs. This is Silo City, and it's where the Jones family has been farming for almost 40 years. It's still Silo City because they're all still standing here, and that's what everyone sees when they go by. But yeah, their silos were something used a long time ago uh, for something that would basically ferment like alcohol, uh, the feed wood, and that's what uh, preserved it in these things. That's Will Jones, who has gradually taken over the family farm from his father over the last eight years. The silos are empty now, they're not used to store anything. But the Joneses' business is active and growing. It's endured brutal winters and economic downturns, and it's resisted the kind of conflicts that sometimes tear apart farm families. You'll hear about how they did it and ride along in a self-driving tractor on this episode of The Distance, a podcast about longevity and business. I'm Waylon Wong. We are a production of Basecamp, the leading project management app for keeping everyone on the same page. Last week, another 5,791 companies signed up to run their projects with Basecamp. And you can try it free for 60 days at Basecamp.com slash The Distance. We cover a few thousand acres between ground we rent from uh, landlords and different uh, owners in the family. And we custom farm some for one of my uncles, which is just where you do the field operations for, for money. You don't uh, take any risk in the crop production. And then uh, we've got about 150 cows uh, that we uh, give calves. And so we have about 150 calves to sell every year. And then uh, we do about 800 cattle in the feedlot on site. Every year, the Joneses farm produces about 300,000 bushels of corn, enough to fill 300 semi-trucks, and another 90,000 bushels of soybeans, or 90 semi-trucks worth. The farm is considered large compared with other family farms, but small compared with more industrial operations that have investors. Where does all that soy and corn go? Every other row of soybeans in the state goes to China, so that's that's a big market for us. The corn, a lot of it that we raise will end up going through the feedlot and feeding the cattle here. And a lot of the rest of it will go into ethanol production or other people's uh, corn needs in the area. Then the ethanol byproducts will come back to us and go into the feedlot also. Will is 29 years old and comes from a long line of Iowa farmers. Will's father, Kurt, grew up on a dairy farm that Will's grandfather bought in 1945. Grandpa Jones purchased Silo City many years later in 1978. Kurt was the fourth of six children, and he and his younger brother John were the only ones interested in carrying on the family business. So they took it up after Kurt graduated from Iowa State and his brother returned home from military service. 1971, my younger brother and I started farming together. And then uh, that lasted until 1985 when he decided to stay in business in Phoenix, where he visited during the winter. So I I became the one that was left. I enjoyed it, so I just stayed. Kurt and his wife, Mary Ellen, have been married for 47 years and live in Spencer, Iowa, a short drive from Silo City. If you remember the 2008 New York Times bestselling book, Dewey, the small-town library cat who touched the world, that real-life story took place in Spencer. 
Anyway, the Joneses met in high school when Mary Ellen spotted Kurt in study hall and invited him to a dance. She grew up on a farm too, but didn't learn to drive a tractor until after she was married. At my farm, we did not farm like the Joneses. My dad and my brothers did everything. There were 11 of us kids, so us girls had a lot of work to do. We helped my mother can and freeze food. We had a lot of laundry to do. We had a lot of cleaning to do. You know, everybody had their jobs, and the guys did everything outdoors. We didn't do any of it. And then my dad ate on the dot at noon, on the dot at 6. And being married to Kurt was really hard because the Joneses don't know what noon is, and they don't know what 6 is. And so they might come in for dinner at 1.30 and then come in for supper at 9 or 10. I'm telling you, the dishwasher is the greatest invention for the farm wife because these dirty dishes at 10 o'clock at night are just no fun. By 1985, the year Kurt's brother John moved from Iowa to Arizona, Kurt had gotten out of the dairy business to focus on beef cattle, hogs, corn, and soybeans. The 80s marked one of the worst periods in history for American farmers. The United States stopped exporting grain to the Soviet Union after it invaded Afghanistan. Interest rates were high, crop prices and land values were down, and many small farms got wiped out by debt and foreclosure. Next week actually marks the 30th anniversary of Farm Aid, the fundraising concert that Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, and Neil Young organized during the farm crisis. The Joneses were able to hang on, partially because Mary Ellen had a job teaching home economics at the local school. But 1985 was tough. Snow arrived early, and an ice storm hit on Thanksgiving with 500 acres of corn left to harvest. Here's Mary Ellen reflecting on the year. That's when John decided he was going to stay in Arizona. And that's when Kurt's dad had died, and he said to me, we need somebody else in our family, so that's when we had Will. And he was a bright spot. Will was born in 1986, the youngest of three children and the only boy. His middle sister, Liz, whom you'll hear from later on, remembers Will playing with his toy cultivator as a kid, pushing it up and down their grandmother's carpet in Neat Little Rose. During his last year in college, he rented land from some neighbors and started farming on his own. Kurt handed over operations to Will in phases, selling him equipment, cows, and other assets. For the first time in a, quite a while, there's been enough economic incentive for uh, farmers to pass down the business. And, and we're fortunate uh, at the size we're at, we're, we're big enough that we can imagine surviving uh, more consolidation and, and farms being being bigger in the future and, uh, and still being around. So that's helpful, but it, it's uh, been very difficult to deal with the amount of change in your life when a business grows as fast as it has for me because it started off, I was running 160 acres from one of our neighbors and then add on this uh, 60 the next year here where this house is, you know, so you're up to a grand total of 220 and then a do that for a couple years and uh, get another piece of ground and then you're up to three some and and then have a have a blowout year and and all of a sudden having having money to do things that you never never could do because all of a sudden you have you know fifty or sixty thousand dollars to spend on stuff you know beyond your normal living expenses which is just out of this world but then you start out buying that strip till and and wondering how that's going to work out then pretty soon you you've got a list of equipment that totals half a million dollars worth of uh, stuff and cows and everything 
it was a line graph, it'd be one of those where it starts real slowly and then all of a sudden it's hundreds of times bigger than it ever was at the beginning. For some farmers, especially younger or inexperienced ones, the kind of whirlwind Will experienced could be destabilizing. But the Joneses have a history of planning for the long term. Kurt's parents had formed a corporation to better organize the family's assets and have a formal mechanism of passing the farm to their children. Kurt and his brother established a corporation of their own when they started farming together. Then, in 2007, Kurt was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and that prompted the family to think carefully about the future. Kurt getting Parkinson's just kind of kicked us in the butt and said, you got to get this figured out, and you got to get it figured out soon, because, like right now, Kurt doesn't go down to the farm every day, because physically he can't do things. And that's we knew that was coming, so we could just gradually give Will more and more and more and more over these years since... Five-year plan. Yeah, well, it's been since 2007, so we're going on the eight-year plan, but... Well, I didn't start the plan right away. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> the doctor told me I'd have five years to farm, maybe at best, and uh, that's about how much it was, but we went into a five-year plan where he started renting the neighbor's farm and started taking an interest in what was going on so that he could take those over. As part of the transition, Kurt and Mary Ellen are gradually giving away shares of the family corporation to their three children. There's also formal agreements between the siblings that specify how much rent Will pays his sisters, Allie and Liz, for their share of the family land. If the others want to sell their land, Will gets first dibs on buying it. Here's Liz. We don't ever have to negotiate with our sibling, which seems to really take a lot of pressure off of the situation. I think that makes things easier because you'd like to think that you would always, you know, act in your family's best interest. But, you know, going 20 or 30 years down the line, you don't really know what's going to happen. It can be a big division in siblings, you know, and start squabbling over how they, how they want to interpret selling or buying or rentals. Uh, the one thing I worried about, Will, was that he started farming and invested his, say, 20 years into farming, just gets maybe partially comfortable, only to have it all yanked away. Is, because if you lose the land base, you really have nothing to run your equipment on. So that's the reason for that. This kind of long-term thinking also governs how Will runs the farm. At 29, he's considered young for a farmer. The average age of an Iowa farmer was 55.6 years in 2012, when the U.S. Department of Agriculture conducted its last census. The decisions that Will makes today about equipment purchases and expanding the farm and what crops to plant and how to plant them, these will all have implications for his land and his livelihood years from now. Take, for example, the practice of using cover crops. A cover crop is a crop planted when you are not otherwise using the field. The corn and soybeans have their uh, dates uh, that they need to be planted and need to be harvested, and this is a crop that will grow in cooler conditions and soak up some of the soil nutrients and uh, add organic matter and soil health by running more roots and things through the ground. We're, uh, we're probably going to, this fall, try to take advantage of some of it and some of the poor soils we have. And then uh, it makes a lot of sense when we winter our cows. 
they are allowed to graze on the corn stalks and clean up any of the corn that the combine didn't get in one of our fields, we're going to put a cover crop in there so it grows another uh, few tons of grass an acre for them to have to help uh, save on our hay costs throughout the winter. It's definitely a long-term view just because the, the, your ability to change the soil from one year to the next is very small, but your ability to change it over 10 years is pretty dramatic. Soil erosion is an ongoing concern. The first piece of equipment that Will bought on his own was a strip-till machine, which disturbs the soil less than conventional methods and blows fertilizer in the exact spot where the corn is planted. This kind of precision is important because it removes randomness from a process that is subject to the whims of Mother Nature. There are so many variables in farming that are out of Will's control, like temperature and humidity and rainfall and frost. But there are things he can do to make his work more efficient and effective. And that brings us to the self-driving tractor. Kurt bought the tractor in 2008. Will and his father visited the John Deere factory in Waterloo, Iowa when it was being built, and Will got to sign his name on the underside of the hood. The tractor comes with GPS and software that tracks an enormous amount of data, all accessible from a touchscreen panel. Right now, Will is programming the tractor to remember a path as he drives randomly through a field. Here, I'll, uh, I'll take it through a curve here. And this tractor has a suspension on the front end of it, and uh, something that the older tractors never had, mm. so that's nice. When you're in here for 13 or 15 hours a day, it's really nice to be as comfortable as possible. Yeah. And even the seat I'm sitting on has a computer in it. It will adjust how much it moves mm -hmm. when it bounces around and stuff. You thought that was only for BMWs <laughs> and Lexuses, but even the seat has that in here. Yeah. So around and have it drive the curve. Will sits back, his hands off the wheel, and then we're bumping along in the tractor as it retraces the erratic path that we just drove. You saw how, saw how we uh, went down pretty much the exact same path we drove the first time there and just uh, finds it, knows yeah. where it is. And had we not drove such a particular line, it would uh, make the duplicate over. You know, like when I'm in a field, it'll, it'll draw the line next to it so mm -hmm. then it can drive the next pass in the field. Will uses a self-driving combine as well. Between that and the tractor, he no longer has to focus on steering in straight lines for 10 or 12 hours a day. But he can't just sit back and let his mind wander either. If anything, the benefit of the self-driving equipment is that it frees him up to monitor what else is going on. The biggest thing about running a combine is that waste in the machine is always present and always a danger. As you're cutting beans off in a field, there's always some that are not going to make it in the machine just because of the way the, way the world is. But then uh, when they're in the machine, conditions will change and the requirements of what the machine needs to do will change to ensure that you get the beans off the plants and in the machine and separated from all the chaff and not just fat out the back or uh, that you're not grinding them so much that the quality is lost in the grain also. That's the big thing, and it's, it's very hard to teach because it's a constant vigilance and, and just knowing how conditions change in the field, even from uh, the dew being there in the morning to later in the afternoon will be dramatic, so it's always a moving target you have to chase. 
Will wants to be prepared for changing conditions in his business, too. He's thinking of expanding the feedlot to accommodate more cattle. Right now, there's about 800 cows on the property. Will doesn't own them, but he gets paid for a process called backgrounding, which means he cares for the cows from 300 to 650 pounds. After that, they go elsewhere for finishing, which is when the cows reach 1,500 pounds and get slaughtered. The cattle operation pays off for Will in different ways. He can sell the calves, and he can use manure on his crops instead of commercial fertilizer, which saves him thousands of dollars. Land is something, well, you might buy it and then be able to pay the mortgage with it if you're lucky. It's not really a place to expand for expansion's sake, where the cattle, if we fed 2000 instead of 1000 that would be another over $100,000 of revenue through the farm every year, and, and the uh, ability of that to turn into dollars elsewhere and, and make other investments happen is huge. Securing the future of Silo City is especially important now that Will has a family of his own. He and his wife, a representative in the Iowa State Legislature, got married on the farm in 2014 and are expecting their first child later this year. They're building a new house on the farm, and their child will grow up feeding cows, riding on the tractor, and helping with the harvest, just like the Jones kids did. Here's Liz remembering how she took care of a calf whose mother rejected it. Liz's job was to feed the calf twice a day using a big bottle of formula that she mixed herself. I did it every morning and every night, and I remember being scared because there was like a mouse in the formula once, and I was terrified to go out there for a few days. I mean, I still did it, and I think about that all the time with my daughter because the family business that my husband and I have is a marketing firm, and I think, how can I involve her in that. I just think about how few kids have that opportunity to really feel like they're contributing and what they're doing is important and that they're needed. We were involved really early doing all kinds of stuff with our dad on the farm and he was home every day for lunch. So we were just very involved. I've come to realize that that's really special and not everyone gets to really be a part of their parents' lives in that way. For Kurt, it's important that both his children and the people who end up consuming Iowa corn and beef understand what he spent his lifetime doing. One of our problems are that we're raising a whole generation, a nation, that has no idea where their food production comes from. It's really important to me that we get the message out that we're producing food, and they need food. And because they can afford a boat or a second home or a new car, because they have cheap food. They don't have to spend their time out raising that food. Well, I think I've been successful because as I told you before, I thought my primary responsibility to my kid was to let them know what their dad did for a living. I think that worked. The Distance is produced by Sean Hildner and me, Waylon Wong. Special thanks to the Jones and Jones-Dilworth families for their hospitality and generosity. If you have a suggestion for a business we can feature on the show, you can send an email to tips at the distance.com or find us on Twitter at distancemag. That's at distance M-A-G. The Distance is a production of Basecamp, the project management app for keeping everyone on the same page. Give Basecamp a try for your own projects at basecamp.com slash the distance. Thank you.